I'm Khalil Ekelona, and this is Nashville. This past Monday, WPLN News joined forces with the Nashville Child and Youth Collaborative, and together we carried out a mayoral forum unlike any other so far. It was all about the youth, and to deliver on that theme, we gave a few local teens the chance to join in as co-moderators. Yesterday, we aired part one from that forum, and today, we're bringing you part two. So before we dive in, let me remind you how it all worked. The Nashville Child and Youth Collaborative cut it off at seven candidates based on fundraising. So joining us for this forum were Jeff Yarbrough, Matt Wilshire, Alice Rowley, Freddie O'Connell, Sharon Hurt, Jim Gingrich, and Heidi Campbell. Let's do it. Will you commit to developing a new child and youth master plan and annually reporting on progress towards its goals. You each have 30 seconds. Please respond with either a yes or a no. Matt Wilshire is up first. Yes. Alice Rowley. Yes. Freddie O'Connell. I'm, I'm not going to commit to a new one. I'm going to commit to reviewing the one we have that we didn't complete. And then we're going to reinvest in new challenges and make sure it's updated to take stock of things like technology. Uh, and we're also going to revisit the Youth Violence Summit, which was easily as important as the Child and Youth Master Plan. And yeah, we'll benchmark our progress on both of those things. Sharon Hurt. Yes, I absolutely, absolutely will already have because my campaign team is majority Gen Zers. I think that's what you call them. That's what they're called. They all are less than 30 years old and they are already creating this master plan that is absolutely amazing i tell you it has just been so refreshing to me knowing that my grandchildren are going to be in the hands of these youth because they are extremely smart and i thank them time jim i'm 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 kind of with freddie in the sense of if you go back and look at what we did before it's pretty good but it is at a very high level in terms of objectives it actually doesn't operationalize how are you going to do this which is one of the reasons why it hasn't happened. You have to take it down to an action plan that we can actually begin to implement. So I would say, let's start with what we have, but let's create real actions and start to make progress immediately. And absolutely, we have to hold ourselves accountable for getting it done. Heidi. Um, I see that as a semantic difference. I, I think we should definitely take a look at what we're doing and modify it where we need to. If you want to call that a new plan, we can, but um, definitely we'll support um, assessing, modifying, and updating the plan. Jeff. Uh, yes, and I agree that this is sort of a, I don't, I don't want to ga- engage in this debate in a silly way because we should have a plan that is updated every year and reporting on that plan that is coming out every year so that we're actually don't have plans sitting on shelves, but are actually using them to guide the work of government. All right, next question. Nashville has experienced some major economic development wins over the last decade and often with the use of tax rebates and incentive packages. At the same time, almost half of the youth has responded to a poll survey administered by the Nashville Child and Youth Collaborative. They say they often worry about their basic needs getting met. As mayor, what strategies would you champion to balance the city's economic development goals with meeting the needs of families in historically neglected 
neighborhoods. Jeff Yarbrough, begin. Uh, it's an important question because right now I, I think people feel like the growth and development of the city is happening to us and not for us. And I think people feel like we have not invested in the communities across the city. And I think we have to do better there. One, to the extent that we are using the economic development incentive tools, we should be doing those in ways that are investments in ourselves. I, am, I enjoy seeing it when we invest in education or training programs that actually are, are tuned to jobs. I, don't, I think that that is the type of investment that should guide our work. But more importantly, it is utterly and totally morally unacceptable for us to have children in this city that are not meeting basic needs. Like these cranes that are in the skyline, they do not represent our highest aspirations. And I think we have to remember what our values are and make sure that we are investing in the education, the services, and the housing needs that are actually important for people to live those quality lives. You do have to have economic development. You do have to be do that intentionally because the best way to have uh, to, to have full society and to have meet needs is to in see increases in income. So we do need to be thoughtful about the jobs and those sectors that we're trying to recruit here, but we need to be doing it in a way that's investing in ourselves. All right. Matt Wilshire. So I think that there are different tools that are appropriate for different circumstances. Um, I, I can already anticipate what some of the comments may be later down the line here. But when I became the director of the mayor's office of economic and community development, the unemployment rate in this city was over 8%. Families were struggling. There were a lot of families who were struggling very deeply. And in those conditions, in that environment, the most important thing I think we can do as a city is to help a family get a job and get their financial footing underneath them. Carl Dean always said, there is no government program as good as helping someone get a job. Now, in those economic conditions, when families are out of work and underemployed, it's important to help improve job, job opportunities for Nashvillians. When unemployment is at two or 3% or 4% even, that's not the most pressing need. But regardless of the macroeconomic condition, the most important thing that we can do is invest in the public education system in this school, in this, in this city, which is why I have said that my number one objective is to have Nashville MNPS be the best performing public education system in the country. And when we prioritize that, we not only will create workforce development that will attract companies here, but we will create better conditions for the youth who live here today. Alice Worley. Yes, yeah, so I joined Governor Haslam's administration at that same time. We just took a decidedly different approach. We actually reduced the dollars per job that were being awarded. We closed the back door loopholes. The Pew Center noted that we moved from the bottom five states in the country in transparency on economic development to in the middle of the pack. So I actually believe that our kids are really smart and they know when certain people are getting certain deals that they're not. And they can look around and see that when 80% of the kids graduating from Metro Nashville Public Schools are not career, college, or military ready, we have failed. Our economic development strategy has failed because the children 
graduating from our schools are not able to compete for the maximum wage jobs coming here. We are a global city, and we have the opportunity to move from being an F-rated school system to an A-rated school system. There are school systems in the country that have proven that is possible. At today, at less dollars per student cost, and you can look that up, it's Miami-Dade. And no, it doesn't mean that every school in the district is a choice school, but every one of these four mayoral youth council youth all go to a school that is not their zoned school. Parents are telling us that if we are not preparing their kids for the jobs of tomorrow, nothing else that we think that we're doing in this ribbon-cutting work actually matters. Freddie O'Connell. Some of the best incentive work we do is in the people in this room. It's our metro schools, faculty and staff, uh, including support staff. Uh, it is our youth opportunity programs. And unfortunately, over the past few years, we've watched some of our most important investments in our future, including our what used to be opportunity now shrink and move down to the Metro Action Commission. Uh, our workforce development programs shrink and move down to the Metro Action Commission. Uh, Nashville grad have its budget reduced, which is literally there to help people who are struggling to have uh, books and supplies as they pursue uh, their future advancement at Nashville State. And I'm going to create an office of opportunity that reinvigorates all of these programs. These are the incentives in our future. And we're also going to take models like what we've seen with corner to corner uh, in growing what are effectively neighborhood scale businesses and create lifetimes of income. The best things that I learned when I was a child, if I wanted walking around money, I was babysitting, delivering community newspapers, mowing lawns. Uh, and then I got my first real job ever at the Great Escape on Broadway. But the best thing my parents gave me was the education that enabled me to do those things. And then I built my network of future opportunities around that. I want to make sure that we have the network of future opportunities for every young person in this room and beyond, and I want my daughters to have access to those things as well when we go forward as a city. Thank you. Sharon Hurt. So I want everybody in this room to become a millionaire. Nashville is making so much money, and they need to share the wealth. I'm going to create an economic equity and empowerment office. I created a workforce development program where we had over 500 individuals uh, hired, over 2,000 trained. Everyone is not college material, so we made sure that they were able to do things with their hands. Created a driver's license restoration program in order for them to get the employment that they need, be gainfully employed. I want to make sure that we have contracts available to everyone. That's why I helped create and sponsored the legislation for the Incubation Innovation Center at Fisk University, because we need businesses that we are going to have contracts, contracts and more contracts. There's an economic tsunami coming here. We need the people that made Nashville the it city to be a part of it. Not just those that are coming from north, south, and east, and west, but those that have been here and made Nashville what it is. We also had an equal business opportunity legislation that says that 25% will have to have minority contracts in everything that they do. And on this new stadium and the East Bank, we will have 25% small minority and women-owned businesses. I've given 25 years of my life to that cause. Thank you. Jim Gingrich. All right, so um, I think it's important to step back and say, 
why do we have economic development? What is the objective? The objective isn't so much that we want to grow the economy. It's that we want to grow the economic opportunity for the people who live in Nashville. Now, anybody who has ever run a business will tell you the most important concern of any executive is what is the talent base that exists in that city? And does that talent want to stay in the city? So the best economic development policy for Nashville is to invest in K-12, to invest in workforce development, and invest in getting our kids through college, and invest in the quality of life, some of which we've touched on today, affordable housing and the like, that keeps people here. That's what is, at the end of the day, is going to drive talent. Talent will beget economic growth, and it will also beget economic opportunity. We have today two-thirds of the people in Nashville saying we're going in the wrong direction. That's very different than where we were five, six, seven, eight years ago. And that's because they don't think that the growth that we have created has actually benefited them. And that's what we need to start to change in our city. Heidi. This, this is where you'll find some real differences between us. You know, I, I do not think that government should be run like a business or a corporation. I don't think that uh, the mayor needs to behave like a CEO. I don't think it should be disposed towards increasing shareholder value on the backs of Nashvillians. And we have had years of kind of a free beer party where we gave rebates to companies coming here. And now we're stuck with the bill. And that's what's going on here. And so when we say there is no program in government as important as helping someone in a family get a job, I would say there is no program as important as helping someone in a family get a job that pays a living wage. Because that is very different. A job is not always paying a living wage. And that's what we're finding here with a lot of people who live in Nashville who can't afford to stay here. We need to support the people in Nashville and pay them a living wage. We need to support union jobs. We need to support benefits. And we need to make the quality of life here. It's not just about money. It's about the quality of life for everyone who lives here. You've been listening to a special broadcast of This is Nashville from a mayoral forum we hosted Monday night with the Nashville Child and Youth Collaborative. Joining me now to reflect on what we just heard is our senior producer, Steve Harouche, and WPLN education reporter, Alexis Marshall. Hey, y'all. Hey, Khalil. All right. So what did you hear in those responses? Well, that question about whether to create a new child and youth master plan, I thought was pretty interesting. It was created under Carl Dean more than a decade ago. Obviously, a lot has happened since then. Carl Dean ran for governor, first of all. We've had Barry, Briley, and Cooper administrations. You know, 88% of the youth who responded to that survey said that they felt safe at school. But other things that have happened since 2010, Sandy Hook, Parkland, Uvalde, and Covenant. So I imagine that is very different now. Um, So this question of whether to create a new one or just revisit the one we have, I think pretty interesting debate there. And, you know, in the document itself, it says this is a living document. But, you know, I clicked on a link from a Tennessean story a year ago, and that link was dead. So um, Hmm. living documents, when we can't find them, it's hard to say that they're alive. But um, this question of whether or not to 
really create a new one or just follow through on the one we we worked on, I think that's kind of an interesting point. All right. Lexi? Yeah, I was listening closely to that economic development question, and it seemed like a lot of people dodged in one way or another. Um uh, Matt Wiltshire had quoted Carl Dean saying that no government program is as good as getting somebody a job. Uh, and it was interesting to hear Alice Rowley kind of uh, say a, a counterpoint there. She was talking about joining Governor Haslam's administration and taking a different approach and reducing the dollars per job that they were awarding. So that was a really interesting kind of counterpoint there. Um, and then Heidi Campbell really came out and said, you know, I don't think that the city should be run like a CEO. Um, but what they didn't talk about a whole lot was how they would do the balance. A lot of them fell back on uh, investing in education, which certainly can drive that economic growth. But it's also an easy way to not say the wrong thing. Everybody knows how important education is. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's keep this party going after a short break. Tweet us your reactions at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil Ekelona, and this is Nashville. You've been listening to a special broadcast of This Is Nashville. Monday night, we teamed up with the Nashville Child and Youth Collaborative to put on a mayoral forum. Let's pick it up with the next question, brought to us by Hillsborough High student Susanna Wilkinson. The presence of armed police makes me and many of my peers feel unsafe. Because of this, many of us are under severe stress, but a lot of our schools don't have adequate mental health staffing to help us deal with said stress. Cities like Oakland, Minneapolis, and Denver have piloted the removal of school resource officers and focused on more restorative practices and mental health support. Knowing that school resource officer removal is a district decision, what will you do as mayor to address the physical and emotional safety of young people? Thanks, Susanna. Heidi Campbell, we'll start with you. Thank you for this question, Susanna, because this is actually a place where initially as a state senator, I voted against um, increasing financing for school uh, resource officers. And, and, and then the second time I voted for it, and here is why because the covenant shooting happened and because I know that this state is not gonna do anything meaningful about gun control anytime soon. And I'm very concerned, of course, for our students' safety. So it puts us in a really horrible position because we need common sense gun legislation 20 yesterdays ago, badly. And our state is um, going in the other direction. And though we do have this session coming up, I, um, I am cautiously optimistic. I've, I have released 17 pieces of gun legislation that um, you know, hopefully we'll be able to pass something, but we tend to not do that in this state. So we need to actually protect our children by instituting common sense gun regulations. They have been proven to work in other areas because guess what? You can't have gun violence without guns. And it does not matter what's in your heart or your head. What matters is what's in your hand at the moment when gun violence happens. And so this is something I feel like our kids are now living in a culture of terror because they're having to do these active shooting drills all the time. And this is absolutely the antithesis of what we should be doing. We don't want our kids, we want our kids to be able to learn. Jeff Yarbrough. Uh, thanks for the question, Susanna. I think there's n- 
there's no parent, no, and not many students who don't, who aren't thinking about safety in a real way right now. And grownups are failing you. Just all there is to it. Uh, what we're doing at the state is not enough and hasn't been enough. And I think I'll continue to work on that work while I can, but the next mayor needs to work with Congress and the state government to try to get better common sense gun laws. But the next mayor in Nashville can't wait on that. To speak to your specific question, you're right to have some concerns. The, the, there's no evidence that that SROs actually decrease violence in school shooting situations. The data actually shows that the number of fatalities go up when there's an armed officer on site. That's what the data actually shows. Uh, you're going to continue to see because there, is, there are some mandates there, but we were able to work this year and there are some pathways to have sort of hybrid people who are working on security who don't have to be solely trained in security. They don't have to be full-time officers, and they should have, be, uh, have the training to work on de-escalation, to work on mental health and behavioral health issues. And the more important thing than having an SRO is to make sure you've got a mental health counselor in every school, and that's what I'm going to do as mayor. Matt Wilshire. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry that that is the experience that you have every day. It's terrible. And it shouldn't be that way. Um, and I know that there are great things happening at your school uh, because I've had two kids at Hillsborough, including my oldest who graduated last year. There are amazing things that are happening at Hillsborough High School and high schools across our district. In fact, I was on the board of the PTSO at Hillsborough High School and got to see firsthand work with teachers there doing amazing things. But you're right. There shouldn't be a culture of sort of institutionalization where you need armed guards to protect an academic institution, a place of learning. There is something fundamentally broken in our society. And part of the issue is folks just feel unsafe. And I don't think that there are enough resources. I talked earlier about having Metro Nashville Public Schools be the best performing public education system in the country. You can't have the best schools in the country if you don't have safe schools. So we need to have safe schools with mental health professionals who can help you and your classmates get through the day and stay focused on your work. That doesn't exist today, and it will when I'm mayor. Alice Worley. Yeah, Suzanne, I am sorry. Um, so I want to separate into two uh, issues. One is around the physical safety of the school. Um, I uh, applaud the work that the General Assembly did recently to pass what has been presented for the last three years by the Professional Educators of Tennessee, which is to fund a school resource officer in every school. That funding is now available, and it means that our director of schools and our school board has no excuse to not take advantage of it. And while I realize that there are challenges and that there are places, but I think as a parent to say, nearly all of our private schools have armed guards and that we are not providing that same level, we cannot unilaterally disarm 
our city, that we wouldn't have an armed and uniformed member there in the event that they could stop someone, I think that's hard to swallow. So I do believe now that the state has provided $140 million so that every public school in the state can take advantage of that, so budget can no longer be a reason to not do that. The second issue is having enough mental health beds. We only have right now in the entire state of Tennessee 596 mental health beds for residential mental health treatment. In this next legislative session, Chairman Sapicki will propose that Davidson County, every one of the 33 state Senate districts, uh, will receive in a plan to build a 150-person mental health treatment facility modeled after what's in Murray County. And that's time. Freddie O'Connell. Thanks. And this is maybe the hardest question of the night in some ways, because we know that you all as students are experiencing trauma. Um, when I was in metro schools, we didn't have active shooter trainings. Um, but it's also tough, because as students, even with great data, which you all are offering us, uh, we know that a lot of parents want school environments where there is parent comfort with the idea of school resource officers. and. I will say, given mandates, it's unlikely that we're going to be able to roll back the idea altogether. I do think Dr. Battle and the school board have made an important decision uh, to delay implementation of SROs in elementary schools. And so we have a daughter in both uh, elementary and middle school. And when I am talking to young people, I am hearing some trauma about that, but I'm actually hearing as much trauma over years and years of active shooter training. And that is one of those things where we have to keep looking for ways to reduce the number of guns just in general. Uh, we know from evidence-based practices around the country that uh, more guns don't mean more safety. Um, to Senator Yarbrough's point, uh, more SROs frequently in active shooter environments don't mean more safety. Um, and we have to keep that conversation going. One of the most important things that we did as a city under Mayor Barry uh, was we brought the city around the table to talk about very difficult race issues. And it was a session called Real Talk. And we did it once. But we should do it again. And we should talk about issues exactly like that with parents and students. Time. Sharon Hurd. So I believe that, again, you got to get to the root of it before you get to the fruit of it. You talked about mental health. And I think that far too often mental health is not diagnosed, but it's actually penalized. And we need to not do that. We need to meet our kids where they are. When I was in school, we had nurses. We had places that we could go, and we need to have something in the schools in order for our students to be able to go and talk to people. I can tell you one story real quickly. Backfield in Motion is one of the sponsors of this program. They had a student that was uh, put out of school for three days because she brought a razor blade to school. And then she came back the very next day and they found the razor blade again. And they were like, why did you bring this razor blade to school? We just put you out of school. What is wrong with you? And she was not able to talk to the people who were there because they didn't show the care. But when she went back to backfield in motion with people who she knew cared about her, she found out that she used it to protect herself because her mother's boyfriend was coming in her room every night. So what I would do is make sure that we got to the root of the problems, address those, put the actual specialists 
in there for them to talk to and make something happen and build a relationship with the police and the community. All right. I like this question coming up next. Oh, I'm sorry. Jim. That's okay. There's a lot of us. It's hard to keep track. There's a lot of you guys. (laughs) It's crazy. There's a hundred people running for office in Toronto to be the mayor. So wow. it's and a good a thing you're not in there. And a dog. Yeah. Seriously? There's a dog. Yes. Now don't start my time yet. Hey, amazing. All right. Uh, That's amazing. That is, it, it is a, um, a heartbreaking question that you have to ask that. Uh, and I think Sharon touched on a little bit of what I think the answer is, which is uh, there what we have done is put a Band-Aid, if you will, on a greater set of societal issues. And unfortunately, I think that's where we are today. We can certainly provide services within schools to try and mitigate the, the, the issues that you're talking about. But the greater question is, what are we doing to try and minimize not just mass shootings, but the amount of, of, of violent crime and assaults and homicides and shootings we have in Nashville. Uh, you know, one of the, I, I mean, these folks are probably tired of me telling this story, but one of the most heartbreaking things that's happened to me in the last month or two is when I was over at Warren Elementary and asked a bunch of third graders, what's the one thing Nashville needs? And what they said is more kindness, less stabbing, fewer knives, more love, less shooting, less killing. And they were, it was not about covenant. And so I think as, as a city, we have to think hard, not just about what we're doing with situations that would lead to a mass shooting, but we have to deal with this as to, because it leads to people getting hurt and people being traumatized every day. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm Khalil Ekelona. You're listening to special coverage of Nashville's mayoral race from a forum we moderated Monday night. Tweet us your reactions at This Is Nashville. All right, so question number nine. I like this question because I want you all to imagine yourselves at 16 years old right now. If you could talk to your younger self right now, that 16-year-old, what would they say you should do if you were elected mayor? You each have 30 seconds. We're going to start with you, Jim Gingrich. Look, I think the... um I uh, I was lucky enough to build a better life than my parents. My parents built a better life than their parents. And that should be the dream of everybody in Nashville. Unfortunately, today it is not. Relative to other cities, you are 80% more likely, if you're born poor somewhere else, to be able to break the cycle of poverty than you are in Nashville. There should be no greater priority than investing in our future. And a great city should be measured by what we are setting up for our kids. All right. Heidi. I, the honest answer is stop focusing so much on academics and let us f- spend more time with our friends and boys. <laughs> but um, that's really the truthful answer. But um, if I'm trying to be, you know, a little bit more deep about it, I guess I would say um, after school programs, things to do after school. Because you know what? I, I think Freddie pointed out earlier that there isn't a lot of you know, music options, being able to go to shows, um, being able to do entertainment stuff after school. All right, Jeff. So I did not grow up in Nashville. I grew up in a small town called Dyersburg where my mom, oh, there's Dyersburg in the house. 
Or my mom and dad were, uh, so my, my dad and granddad were farmers. My mom was a social worker. So coming to Nashville was coming to the big city. This is where we went and saw like a play, you know, put, they put you in the, in the suit. Or if you did well in an academic competition, you might be able to come to Nashville. But I'll tell you, like even at 16, that was some of the first times that I dreamed bigger about life was being in this city. That's time. Oh, but that's I'm gonna a 30 second I'm, one? Yeah, I'm going to let you go a little bit longer. All right, before. sorry. A little bit longer. No, so I think we've got to make sure that that's the case, not just for people across the state who come here, but for people who live in this city and don't feel that every day. All right. Matt. I, 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 I'm not sure I'm following the question exactly right. If it's the 16-year-old saying the 16-year-old 16 16-year-old? No, no, the 16-year-old. So it would be Save Opryland. Uh, <laughs> save <laughs> Opryland. <laughs> now, if it's the 16-year-old then advising the mayor me now, yes. I think that message would be try and find a way for folks to just love each other more. Like, folks who just love... I actually got to go to a Hindu temple last night it was the most amazing experience. Like, just love each other. Alice. So when I was 16, I took uh, a year leave of absence from Hume Fogg to go be a page for the United States Congress. And my job was to reset the budget clock almost every day. And that was the last year that we actually balanced the federal budget. And I know this is bringing it right back. But in order to leave this city better, I would tell myself today as the mayor the same thing, that we've got to get our finances in order. Freddie. Uh, your mom was right about the importance of education and writing thank you notes, so keep doing those things. Uh, you just got your first job, so always work hard uh, and never give up. Uh, and you were right to be interested in computers and technology and make a uh, computer science and programming curriculum available to more young people. And rebuild Opryland. <laughs> Sharon. So my 16-year-old self would tell the mayor that you need to make sure that you restore hope and prosperity on every block in every community because everyone wants to dream the impossible dream. And that dream can happen. You have everything you need inside of you and you can make it happen. We have songwriters, musicians, and students who come here every day and live their dreams, and you can do the same. Make sure that they get a chance to do it. I'm here in studio with This Is Nashville senior producer Steve Harouche, producer Elizabeth Burton, and WPLN education reporter Alexis Marshall. Okay, so I want to pick up on that question from Susanna first. It was pretty powerful. Yeah, it absolutely was. Um, I've talked to a lot of students on the issue of school safety, especially after the Covenant shooting. And I've heard several kids with similar concerns to Susanna about school resource officers, also known as SROs. And those are armed officers who are employed by the local police department to work on school campuses. Uh, Jeff Yarbrough had mentioned data that shows the presence of SROs is associated with higher fatalities. Now, that's not necessarily like a cause and effect relationship, but it certainly is a concern. And the data around SROs in general is really mixed. Um, they do appear to lead to a decrease in certain types of violent crimes at schools, um, like assaults. But 
schools with SROs are also more likely to refer students to law enforcement. Sometimes that's even for minor infractions, and that really disproportionately affects students of color and affects how students feel like emotional safety when they're trying to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, Yarbrough and Freddie O'Connell referenced some mandates about school resource officers. I'm not exactly sure what they're referring to. Tennessee did pass funding this past year uh, to put an SRO in every school. And that's why Alice Rowley said there's no longer really an excuse to not have them. And that is how a lot of parents feel. So it makes it really hard for any politician to do that. Steve? Yeah, I, I think you could really sense that the the line the candidates were trying to walk here between parent concerns and youth concerns. Those concerns obviously overlap, but they're different. Um, so I was uh, especially interested to hear coming on the heels of that, how they were going to approach this. Well, what would my 16-year-old self say to me? And uh, Elizabeth, you are closer to 16 than I am. I'm curious what your thoughts are. I am closer to 16, both in age and height. Uh, I will be so honest and say this whole live tweeting thing that I was doing during the event was kind of hard because I barely knew who was running for mayor before the forum. I don't know if I should admit that on air, but that's true. But I did like the 16-year-old question because it was a really good opportunity to try to relate to the youth, as they've said that they've wanted to be called. But several of the candidates still chose an answer that was very politician-y. It was like, come on, guys, have some fun. Be like Heidi Campbell. She was sitting there crisscross applesauce with no shoes on for the first 10 minutes of the forum. You could wear some fun socks like Freddie and Matt. There was plenty of opportunity there. I wore my baby Yoda socks. They were good. I saw them. I saw them. Thank you very much. All right. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll continue this special broadcast of This is Nashville's Mayoral Forum held Monday night at the Honey Alexander Center. Tweet us your reactions at This is Nashville. We'll be right back. This is Nashville. You've been listening to a special broadcast of a mayoral forum put on by the Nashville Child and Youth Collaborative Monday. I co-moderated the forum with a few inspiring teens from the Mayor's Youth Council, like Yousef Dogan. He just graduated from high school, so of course we started with a good round of applause for this accomplishment. Oh, hello, y'all. Um, I've been thinking a lot about what we as a city need. And in my mind, Nashville is like a Girl Scout. You know, we've got our Girl Scout sash. And on our sash, we have a Music City badge. And you know, we wear that proudly. And now we have this massive new Titan Stadium. That's also a badge. But I do think that there are a lot of badges that we are missing, like public transportation. I live in Antioch, and we hardly have sidewalks, and the nearest bus stop is around 20 minutes away. So how the heck are we supposed to get around? And my question is, what badge are you working, going to start working on first, and why? Thank you, Thank you for that, Yusuf. Sharon Hurt, please begin. So what I am going to do is work on finding that Girl Scout cookie. Because that is how they have made sure that they stayed afloat. When I tell you that it is about economics, 
It's about making sure that people have the contracts and the opportunity to be economically viable in this city for today and beyond. That's what I want to work on to make sure that we have equity, that everyone can live their dream, that not another person is discounted, dismissed, disenfranchised, overworked, and underpaid. I want everyone in here to become millionaires and make sure that they get not a piece of the pie, but we get the recipe and we can make our own pies to make sure that we have it all. That's what I want to work on. Jim. So you touched on probably the most important question in my mind in this race, uh, because we've been growing and we have not made the investments that we should have been making as we grow. And the really frustrating part to me, whether or not you're talking about transit and sidewalks or infrastructure or affordable housing or education or safety or a whole other set of issues, as I said up front, we've been talking about these issues forever. And yet you still don't have sidewalks and our transit system is uh, not what it should be. But we've studied it. <laughs> we have plans, but it's about time that we start to do things. And so if you're asking me what I, the merit badge I'm going to get is that we are going to grow with a plan and a purpose that puts people like you and everybody else at the center of what we're doing. It's not going to be about stadiums and racetracks. It's gonna be about how do we make Nashville better for people who live here? That is ultimately the measure. So you're gonna have the Excel badge. I'm gonna have- For well, making spreadsheets and plans. Yes. No, we don't need, no, we don't need any more plans. Okay. We need to do. Okay. Okay, we got plenty of plans. Okay. Heidi. First of all, I love this question. What a cool question. Um, and so when you asked this question, I started thinking about, yes, of course, education badge, trash, public education, uh, transit, affordable housing, civil rights. And then I started thinking about how you earn these badges. And you don't earn these badges by doing studies. Um, I think inevitably, it's a quality of life badge. And that's really, um, you know, going to come from the mom and me feels like you ask what, what you do first. The mom and me feels like everybody feels kind of bummed out about our city. You know, people feel like it's down at heel. People feel like things look bad. There's trash everywhere. And so I feel like we need to clean up our room. I feel like we need to clean up Nashville. Um, you know, I'm on the Transportation Committee in the Senate, and we just got more money than we've gotten in the history of our state. For, for It's really a paving project, and, and I had some issues with it. But that having been said, we have money now where we can actually solve some of these visceral infrastructure problems, and we can also pick up some of the trash and make people feel a little bit better about where we live. And then, from a Maslavian standpoint, we can start to work on the other things we need to do to improve our quality of life to get all of these other badges. What a cool question. Thank you. Jeff. Uh, use of it is a great question. And so first, I want to talk about how we like keep earning whatever badges we have. So I mean, we're going to do the East Bank. We got to make sure that that actually lives up to our principles in terms of incorporating affordability and making it a public asset. Second, you mentioned Music City. The worst thing that can happen to that is that becomes a plastic 
brand label that we just smack on everything and not really tend to the DNA that should be in the creativity of the city. There are lots of badges I want to keep getting. Sidewalks is huge to me. My favorite question of the whole campaign is a woman, Madison, who said, I just want to be able to go for a walk without having to drive somewhere first. And that is the experience of so many people, and I think we got to make it a priority. you got to do transit. We're 30 years behind on transit, and we need to have a significant investment in it soon, period. And look, you also have to do housing. But I'm going to say that you got to, in order to do this, you got to have the, the entire, uh, I forget what the troop, if you were in the, if you had given that in a Boy Scout question, but the entire you know, group has to be led. Like you need leadership to get any of these things done. And I think we got to start believing in ourselves as a city again. Look, I've been around or all around this county in the last few months. It reminds me of why I'm optimistic about it, because I believe in our people and I believe we're up to these challenges. And that's what we're going to do with proper leadership in the years ahead. Matt. So the metaphor is right, right on the sash. You don't just get one badge to you have to get all the badges. And so I do think that it's important to be able to focus on a bunch of different things. And I'll get to the answer and I get to the answer. But I want to make a point before that first, which is no candidate up here will do it by themselves. Whoever's the mayor, the most important decisions that she or he will make will happen before they actually get sworn in as mayor. And that's setting a vision, which we're doing today during the campaign, and also attracting the talent to be able to execute the vision that you set. And um, I think it is very important for you all to assess who do you think can go out there and set a vision and then attract the most talented people, give them the resources to achieve that vision, empower them, hold them accountable, and then lead the city to achieve those because no one Girl Scout in this metaphor will get those badges by themselves. But if I have to pick one to respect your question, it is that eight years from now, Nashville will be viewed across the country as having the best performing public education system in the entire country. That's possible if we all do it together. No one mayor is going to do it. But if we all work together, we can make that happen and get that badge. All right. Alice. I love this question because my fifth grade teacher is in the room, and I became a Girl Scout from Brownies to Girl Scouts in the fifth grade. Mrs. Ezel, thank you for being here, and thank you for being my fifth grade teacher. Um, the Girl Scout badge that I would like to earn is the one that I think is the most important, is resetting our ability to pay for all of these things that we want to do. So what are a couple of facts that we know that we've got to get back to work with our regional mayors and with the state? One, Davidson County, like a lot of other fast-growing counties, is on the wrong side of the 2006 County Powers Act. That means that we cannot capture the cost of growth at the site of growth. Williamson County can. When you look over and go, how come they're able to pay for their schools in a different way than we can? They're able to do that. 
because they passed that law before 2006. We've got to work with Joe Carr in Rutherford County, with Sheila Butt, Murray County, and our other regional mayors to go back and petition the state and move that so that we can capture the dollars we need at the site of growth and not pass them on to longtime taxpayers. The second thing we've got to do is around the austerity measure that was passed in 2002 that retains more of our share of the local sales tax at the state. The state now has $16 billion a year that are unallocated each year. That tells us the austerity measure worked and the state is over collecting and we need with our Tennessee Municipal League and to follow the plans that we know will work is to get it together and to go back and change that right. so that we will have more dollars here to work on the projects that we all know need to get okay. done. Okay. Freddie O'Connell. Yusuf, let me just say personally, congratulations. You did something really important, which is graduating high school. <laughs> and it's really important because you get to decide what happens next. You can do a gap year, you could enter the workforce, you could go to college, you could get some kind of junior college, pre-collegiate degree, you've got a lot of opportunities. And the badge I wanna earn is a simple one. It's the stay badge, because my hope is that we do the things when I am mayor that help you choose to stay in Nashville and want to choose to stay in Nashville. Now fundamentally, that's actually a series of things that happen to get that badge. Uh, it is to build the transit system. There's nobody on this stage that is more committed to that project than I am. Uh, and that means in a useful way. That means we can all use it, that we will build community transit centers. It's not just high capacity from the airport to downtown. It's the stuff we'll use. But when I get that badge too, I want to get the badge for the brownies as well. And that is where, if I am elected mayor, we'll know we've succeeded. If you find in four years that you could better stay here, but that we have also driven down adverse childhood experiences for any younger sibling in this city, because that is how we will know that the entire city is thriving. Thanks for the question. That's a wrap on Monday Night's Forum. Our producers, Steve Harouche and Elizabeth Burton, are here in studio. What a question to end on, right? Oh, it was great. I loved it. I applauded it when it happened in the forum. My personal golden rule is commit to the bit. And I loved that the candidates stayed so committed to the bit with this Girl Scout thing. Um, I did like Freddie O'Connell's socks, as I said earlier, but he is on thin ice with me for tweeting that dosi dos are his favorite. Sorry, oh. Steve. I know you like those, too. And Andrea Tudhope, if you're listening, you can do better than Samoa's. The Girl Scout-inspired Twitter convo was really something. It was good. Well, talk about committing to the bit. I mean, uh, Freddie O'Connell saying he wants brownie badges in addition to Girl Scout badges. I mean, I guess that's that's digging for brownie points, right? Yes. But, <laughs> yes. but, but if, any, if anyone has been committed to transit in this town, it's Freddie O'Connell. So I think, I think he earned that. Um, I, I heard Alice really kind of hit on one of her sort of sub-themes for the night, which was this sort of like thinking beyond Davidson County and like, talking about how to work with surrounding counties, which I thought was kind of actually kind of an interesting point. We got Matt Wiltshire in there uh, again saying that after eight years, ambitious, Nashville would have the best performing public school system in the country, also ambitious. I'll, I'll, I'll give him that. Interesting in that last part also was Yarbrough kind of got this big applause moment for quoting someone at a different forum who said, I just want to be able to walk without having to drive somewhere first. Um, I think that speaks to where we're at. The temperature of the city is dissatisfaction. I think all of the candidates sense that, and we're trying to give people hope. 
the people who gave me the hope were the youth with those questions. It was it was really a lot of fun. Those kids are absolutely amazing. And my opinion on the Girl Scout cookie debate, Thin Mints from the Freezer, hands down. Classic. All right. So thank you both. It was a super fun night. There was one last piece of the event that got us pretty, pretty jazzed. These brilliant teens who co-moderated with us also got to be reporters that night. After the forum ended, we bolted for the lobby and set them each up with microphones and recording equipment. Let's hear what they came up with. Testing, testing. What have you been doing today, Yusuf? So, like, today I... um. I woke up, I put on an Aztec clay mask, then I like did a little, I was like, oh, I need lunch. So I went and got some pizza. I got a little Caesar's pizza and it was nasty. And so then after where I was texting some of my friends, I think we should focus on raising money for me to get a new phone. Khalil is just over there having a good old time with his hors d'oeuvres. I'm going to go get some snacks. You take the lead on this. Okay, so what did you think of the overall experience? Heard, my name is Nia. Okay, my overall experience was pleased. I feel like um, the questions that were asked this time were a lot more stronger than I've heard at other forums. I feel like politicians weren't able to dance around them as much. Hello, my name is Yusuf Dogan, and my question for you all is, how old are you and what were some of your key takeaways for this event? And I'm gonna start with you first. So I'm actually going to be 18 in a couple of days. And um, a few of my key takeaways from the forum um, was just hearing a lot about public transit and a lot of the policies that the candidates want to implement. Um, I know another thing that stood out to me was a lot of education. I know they had a lot of ideas when it came to um, kind of progressing that and just like economic development and infiltrating those into a lot of different programs. It's Amira Walde, W-O-L-D-E. Thank you. Hello, my name is Grace Olson. Um, I just recently turned 18 this year. A lot of people were able to bring in their opinions about being parents and how that has really helped them throughout the process of what they think on certain topics regarding um, children and youth in Nashville. Um, many of those being gun violence and education predominantly that they talked about. Yeah, it was definitely interesting to hear everyone's viewpoints. Um, Definitely think I know who I'm voting for. Um, what were your takeaways from the forum? So my biggest takeaways from the forum is that we have to really invest in education and make very intentional decisions about how Nashville is going to make sure that it is accessible and affordable for everyone, but especially for our youth. Someone come so I can interview you. Anything that, uh, that the candidate said that stood out to you in particular? Well, when my fifth grade student gave me a shout out for being her teacher. So I was just wondering what your like general takeaways from the event was. My name's Jamaris McGee. Well, I'd like to say that everyone had uh, really good ideas and uh, I really liked your question. My name is Catherine Gomez. So this was my first ever mayoral forum. But I'm just looking forward to what the future's looking like. I feel like some of the candidates are quite eligible. They're very eligible, and I feel like my future is going to be in the right hands. And I'm looking forward to how the polls are looking like, and it's going to get really heated. I know that's for sure, and I'm excited to see it. Okay. Bye. Is that what you said? Oh, yeah. WPLN 90.3. I love you. Slay. Thank you. Thank you. How do you sign off? What do you? This is Susanna Wilkinson. For WPL News, this is Susanna Wilkinson.
Thanks for tuning in this hour. We'll kick off tomorrow's episode with a segment dedicated to the Supreme Court's decision today, ruling affirmative action unconstitutional. In the meantime, listen back to last week's in-depth episode about affirmative action and what its overturning could mean for this college town. This is Nashville. It's a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Today's episode was produced by our executive producer, Andrea Tudhope. Special thanks to Steve Harouche, Elizabeth Burton, Alexis Marshall, Cameron Atkins, Chaz Sisk, Nate Smith, Carl Peterson, Latanya Turner, Pamela Sheffer, and the entire Nashville and Youth Collaborative. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. Listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. The conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at This Is Nashville. Find us on Instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil A. Colonna. I'm Susanna Wilkinson. I'm Hudson Honeybone. I'm Madison Moore. I'm Yusuf Dogan, and we'll see you tomorrow, everybody.